Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. This is episode 381. We are closing in on 400. Very excited about that. With me today is my good friend and friend of the show, making, I don't know, we're almost in double digit appearances. At this point, man, very excited to have back once again, my good friend, Jonathan Rifkin. You can find him on Twitter at his name, Jonathan Rifkin. That's Jonathan, last name, R-I-F-K-I-N-D. Jonathan, how you doing, brother? Today we are breaking down the running back prospects for the NFL draft, man. Um, we did quarterbacks last. What is something that you learn from these exercises when you're actually diving deep into the prospect? Of course, a lot of this goes out the window once they get drafted. But it's really important pre-draft to talk about the player themselves because it gives us an idea of who they are. Then once we dissect where they landed, now we talk about what it actually means for this player with their opportunity, where they landed, fantasy, whatever, about two weeks. But now we get to dissect the actual players themselves before they land coming out of college. What is something that you learned from these uh, exercises yourselves? To never get too excited or too disappointed before the fact because at the end of the day like we said in the last episode or i said it in the last episode you nodded your head so we're going to give you a proverbial agreement and what i said um, <laughs> is that is that like even if you even if you're like an undrafted free agent in the nfl like you still the nfl is the pinnacle of football you are the best of the best if you even get into the conversation and then you can go into your tiers of how you evaluate NFL players and positions and like, do you really have a running back in the top 20 of NFL talent compared to the other positions? Cause year in and year out, it's a different running. Like there, it, the, that's why this conversation sky, what we are about to evaluate the running back position for future draft picks. This is a, probably the toughest conversation Every all we, everybody sits there and talks about quarterbacks. Why do they talk about quarterbacks? It's easy to sit there and talk about quarterbacks. Like quarterbacks could be a crapshoot, but there's way more out there. Like, and it's easier. Like, I don't think that people understand. Like, no, most people can't go and throw a spiral. And I'm about to digress, but I think this is like a fascinating thing that I realized. Most people that evaluate, that judge, fans, whatever media can't throw a spiral but we sit here and we talk about quarterbacks right we don't know what a zone read is we don't know how to id a mic we don't know how to audible to a slant right we don't know how to read man coverage versus zone coverage we don't know how to check if the secondary is you know blitzing or not and yet we sit here and we evaluate all of these athletes like we like we can go out and we can do it and it's like no you can't in the running back position i think it's underappreciated because the value of a running back seems to be deteriorating every single year as offense, like as passing becomes more prevalent, as uh, receiving touchdowns become inflated. Like Derrick Henry and, you know, Dalvin Cook when he's healthy and Saquon Barkley when he's he's healthy, like those are the guys. McCaffrey isn't even like a he's like a hybrid running back, right? Like these guys are holding down the running back position because as we've seen with Lev Bell and Melvin Gordon and all these different guys, like you just, you can pay running backs, but like at the end of the day, like two years later, they're basically out of the league. Todd like, Gurley. Todd Gurley. Um, Leonard Fournette bounced back last year, man. Good for him. And, but like, 
again, 32 teams. Most of them have a rotation of two to three running backs. Like that's a lot of that's nine in the nineties of consistently playing running backs. And we're talking about four impact players, maybe, right? It's an, so it's an undervalued position because these guys, you shouldn't pay them, but we should care. Like it's a fun, like if any of us, like we could go out and we could learn how to run routes and maybe be a receiver. We could go put in the work to be a quarterback by learning. I'm not saying you're going to go be an NFL caliber, but like just the basic fundamentals. Being a running back is hard. Like these guys, Najee Harris out of Alabama took some of the most insane hits and stayed up and, and, and was able to yard after yard after contact. Right. Like, hits that he bounced off of and ran 15 yards after the fact I would have died from right you and I would have physically we would become we would we would probably have not have survived like you have to be the biggest and the baddest of any of the offensive positions maybe center otherwise because you have to deal with snapping the ball and stopping the guy running at you in front of you but like otherwise running backs like these guys are these guys are true animals um and I appreciate rookie running backs because I don't know. I think that we have a lot of hope for running backs when they come into the league and then it just diminishes as the careers move forward. Um, and you know, like I said, they're just few and far between. That was like a five minute answer uh, to what I learned, but that's what I learned. It's an, it's just an interesting perspective too, because I agree with you and I'm constantly on the other side of the fence of this whole, like running backs don't matter thing. Like I know what people are trying to say and I know it's the flashy thing to say, but that's such bullshit and it frustrates me. Because, yes, there could be two or three guys, like the 49ers scheme. Most NFL running backs could go to the 49ers and rush for 120 yards and three touchdowns the first game because that's what the scheme is, that's what the offensive line does, that's what Shanahan develops. Any running back could do that, quote-unquote. But to be a difference maker, as you, as you mentioned, is such a different animal. And even within the 49ers, you have Raheem Mostert, who is – the fastest running back from last year, at least. Jeff Wilson, who's a journeyman, but still very productive. And now they bring in Wayne Goleman, who stepped up only because arguably the best running back in football went down two years in a row in Saquon Barkley, and he did pretty well. So, yes, they're interchangeable. Yes, they're not as um, bona fide as a single quarterback or a uh, a defensive end, as we know, an offensive tackle. We get it. But man, I just I think they've been so devalued. And because the market has plummeted on these guys, they're not getting paid what I think they should because of the number of runs they actually actually use, the amount of opportunity that they're accounted for. And uh I agree with you that it's just been kind of flipped backwards. Where look, when when I was growing up at least, right? Um, you know, in the nineties, I mean Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, your boy Corey Dillon. You know, Frank Gore behind me, obviously Earl Campbell back in the day. These guys, Terrell Davis, these guys were taking, you know, 30 totes a game. You know what I'm saying? They were the most prized uh, right. position of football because the f- offense was running through them. Now it's a passing league. So it's quarterback first, high profile wide receiver. Um, you know, it's like teams would almost rather have, you know, Jones on the team <laughs> than two Derrick Henrys because they don't need two Derrick Henrys. You know what I mean? And I think that's just, it's it's such an interesting perspective. So we'll see how many of these rookie running backs pan out to be difference makers at the next level, because we talk about 20 guys, every single draft class and three or four of them are actually that guy last year's draft class. And famously recently, the 2017 draft class was absolutely phenomenal. 
But last year's draft class was also very good. Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, you know, James Robinson, who nobody even talked about coming in, a number of these other guys who came on late as well. Um, and then Joshua Kelly, who a lot of people were talking about, who didn't really do anything. So it's interesting to see what happens. So I'm excited to talk about – I'm ex- <laughs> there you go. I'm excited to talk – podcast a year ago. <laughs> well – because you have the inside scoop on not only the Pac-12, uh, but then he, you know, goes to the Chargers, and that's your local squad as well. So this, I appreciate by the that. way, is a terrible setup for my sleeper pick in this year's draft—a terrible setup. So I'll call back to this moment later. On <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we are getting into the rookie breakdowns and profiles for the running backs coming in to the 2021 draft class coming up next week. I have my good man, Jonathan Rifkin. Fellow co-host on the RDL show, Ryan D. Leaf show, with the one and only Ryan Leaf. You can find us on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 1230 to 1.30 live on YouTube. Tune in. Hop in the comments. Ryan is very open to answering um, follower questions. Do Jonathan and I handle back-end production and co-host simultaneously. We have a lot of fun on that. And I'm always blessed to have Jonathan on for our draft previews each season we already did the quarterbacks if you haven't followed that episode yet tune it back one to 380 catch the quarterbacks coming up next wide receivers tight ends as well without any further ado man let's jump right into this as we did with the quarterbacks we're going to break down the top you know three four five main guys one by one and then we're going to kind of clump in the rest of these running backs and just kind of cherry pick through the rest of them here we're giving overall kind of draft profiles how we feel about the guys and fantasy outlook as well. But a lot of the fantasy content specific is going to come after the NFL draft because we always say it on the podcast, where they land is such a big deal, right? If somehow Najee Harris, I don't think this will happen, obviously. If Najee Harris ends up in Carolina, okay, or New York Giants or on Tennessee, he's all of a sudden not Najee Harris. He's a backup running back on third downs. But if he goes to Pittsburgh or Atlanta, or a team that needs that bona fide number one running back, guess what? He's all of a sudden a first-round draft pick in fantasy football circles. So that's all going to change next week. Okay, brother, let's start with Najee Harris. Um, in NFL circles, pretty much the bona fide number one across the board. Fantasy circles, maybe not, depending on the the uh, skill set and the landing position. But let's start with Najee Harris out of Alabama. Easily the biggest running back in this draft class, 6'2", 230. I'll go to you first, and I've got a couple other nuggets as well. How do you feel about the big man, Najee Harris, out of Alabama? Uh, he is the best pure running back in this draft, I think is the easiest way to say that. By the way, he's from your neck of the woods, Antioch, California. He went to Antioch High School, um, which I believe is in the – in the is it in Central Valley or is it up NorCal? You're muted. You're good. No, it's like uh, East, East Bay. Um, okay. okay, yes. He's actually so he they they play De La Salle every year as well. Oh yeah, and they get rocked, and then they go and play Liberty, and that's a better game. Um, <laughs> I was reading De La Salle's current uh, alumni in the NFL last the, the couple nights ago. It's insane. Anyways, I digress. Najee Harris, um, between the tackles, between the hashes, best runner in in this class. Like I said, like this guy takes big hits, and his yards after contact are off the charts. Um, 30 touchdowns as a senior. Um, and, and I really think that when you look at, I mean, he just, he just reminds me of Derrick Henry. He really just reminds yeah. me of De- he was used like Derrick Henry. He was used in an offense that was throwing the ball like one and a half times more than the offense that Derrick Henry was in. 
and being just as effective. Like I meant, I mentioned, I mentioned last episode that Mac Jones was number one or two in every statistical category throwing the ball. And now you have Najee Harris, who's the best running back in the class. Yep. Um, And you can make an argument. And I I know that people have Jamar Chase as the number one wide receivers that they had the top wide receiver also. um, And we'll get there in the next episode, but um, yeah, I love Najee Harris. God, I hope he ends up in Miami Um, for his sake, for everybody's sake, because when two is out there and he throws his third pick in a row, and they need to just start ground and pounding, and they need to get some momentum offensively. Like this, this team had Miles Gaskin at the top of their depth chart, I think, and then he got injured. They had two Washington Huskies at the top of the rotation: yeah. Salvin Ahmed well, and Miles Gaskin. Um, and Najee yeah, Matt Breida for a while, who played well, also. I mean, yep. they have a good rushing offense in a run-heavy scheme. But that Najee should be fine. Is the best of all of those of all of those runners. Um, I agree, and I think that, and I think that he could be. A, a player to offset the nervousness that comes with Tua Tungavailoa. Like, you know what you're getting out of Harris and you know what he, he's capable of. Just unleash him and, like, worry about the players that you're developing that you need to worry about in Tua and maybe whoever on the defense or a wide receiver or whatever the end of going with. So that's what I think for Najee Harris. I don't think that he's I'll, – I'll, I'll elaborate as we move on here. Um, but I don't think he's the best – wide res- or running back as a fantasy uh pr- prospect for this year's draft we'll see again landing landing spot matters if he goes to miami he's going to be much more of a ground and pounder if he ends up in atlanta or pittsburgh and he's a three down guy then he'll be catching the ball as well and obviously that matters most and and he'll be able to to get that work if he gets work like zeke elliott or saquon barkley then he could be top five for sure yep. if he's only getting carries for the most part, like Derrick Henry, he has to be Derrick Henry to be top five or six, which obviously is almost impossible. 30 touchdowns as a senior, as you mentioned. In 57 total touchdowns in SEC history, tied with Tim Tebow. And for the uh, for the new kids on the block, Tim Tebow is a quarterback, ladies and gentlemen, rushing and passing the ball. And Najee Harris passed him up for the most scrimmage touchdowns in SEC history. Absolutely phenomenal. Biggest back of the class, as I mentioned, 6'2", 230. Doak Walker Award for the best running back in the nation. Nothing you can really say negatively for Najee Harris. The only knock on him is that he doesn't have, quote-unquote, long speed. Yeah, well, Derrick Henry didn't either. But here's the deal. <laughs> If a safety or a quarterback is much faster than Derrick Henry and chases him down, they still have to tackle him, which if you've watched any highlights in the last four years, doesn't happen one-on-one. If Najee Harris gets a stiff arm and a high step, we've seen look up his highlights. You see him hurtling guys every other game. He's hurtling guys for a touchdown, which is so pretty. Najee Harris is special. I agree with you. He could have come out last year as a top prospect. The next guy on the list, Travis Etienne, could have come out last year as a top prospect. They both decided to come back uh, to school. National championship uh, for Najee Harris, absolutely bona fide number one. We'll see about fantasy football and landing spot, but I absolutely love Najee Harris out of Alabama. Let's go to number two here, Travis Etienne out of Clemson. 5'10", 205, most scrimmage yards in ACC history with 6,107 yards in uh, his Clemson career. That's 700 more scrimmage yards, 700 more scrimmage yards than Dalvin Cook at Florida State from 2014 to 16. ETN did play one extra season, but it was the weird COVID season and whatever. Nonetheless, 
overall in his career, 700 more yards than Dalvin Cook, most in ACC history for Travis Etienne. He's been absolutely on fire his entire time at Clemson. Uh, three down back, great pass catcher, long speed, elusive, totally different running back than, than Najee Harris. But for people that have Travis Etienne over Najee Harris, I'm definitely not going to complain about that. I have Travis Etienne over Najee Harris. Um, not as a, not as an NFL pick, but as a as a fantasy pick. This guy, I think he reminds me more of Austin Eckler than of Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey's a tad bigger and a, a bit more dynamic, but the way that they're being used, this guy's Austin Eckler. Like, look at Austin Eckler, right? They're both 205 pounds. They're both 5'10". Um, ETN is going to be a pass, pass catcher, probably predominantly. Um, he's more of a hybrid running back, but you can rely on him. Um, you know, if you need to get some yards back on a second and, and 12 or second and 15, you run a draw, you, you can run RPOs with him. I think that's his biggest thing is that you can rely on him in the RPO. And that's a big deal for quarterbacks who need some space in the pocket. They need to free up a wide receiver. They need to change the, the flow of the offense uh, moving downfield. So I think Etienne brings another level uh, to the offense in terms of just what you can do with, you know, a, a flexible dynamic running back. Not not a great blocker. Really not a great blocker. That's the biggest thing for him. Um, but if he goes to a team with a solid offensive line or they just give it to him and let him do his thing, that guy will beat anybody to the spot. So um, I think as a fantasy, uh, as a value, he's gonna, he's he has the highest value of any of the running backs because of his ability to be both a pass catcher um, and as a running back. Um, and, in, I mean, in red zone opportunities – he's a four down guy. Like you look at Najee Harris, right? After second down, if it's, I don't know, let's say first and 10 or third and 10 from the 15, like they're throwing the ball and they're probably not throwing it to Harris or they're putting, bring in whoever else, but Travis Etienne, that guy's out there. That guy's out there probably on third and fourth down when the team's going for it. He's, he's a red zone target. Um, and, and that to me, holds more value. So I love Etienne. I think that he might honestly be one in a PPR probably maybe even like a top 10, depending on where he goes, a top 10, uh, maybe even a top 12 back uh, to start off next season. That might be like high praise, but that's truthfully how I feel about him. I just think that he's fantastic. And again, in an offense where Trevor Lawrence was throwing the football 40, 45 times a game. So that's how successful he was. Yep. And you're talking, you're talking redraft, of course, um, dynasty with rookie drafts. He's going to be top three, five pick, depending on your, your format and stuff. But in redraft, even if he lands on again, Steelers, Dolphins, Falcons. Um, I mean, there's a couple other teams, I guess, but those are the three Jets and Texans, Jets and Texans. Sure. Texans. I will stay away from the, no, thank you. Uh, but Jets, I get it. They draft him. They draft him. No, I know, but I'm saying for fantasy, fantasy, that's not what I want. And, and even the Jets, I mean, with a rookie quarterback, like, eh, Maybe I'm new head little, coach. Yeah. Like, we'll see. I mean, it's the 49er team, so it'll probably be successful. But we'll Arizona, see what happens. Who's Arizona starter now? They just lost Drake, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, Drake's gone. Um, but they have they have uh, Chase Edmonds, but they just brought in James Conner as well, who, look. Yes, they did sign James Conner. Which, again, those two guys, they might draft a, court, a running back, but they're not going to get one of the top dudes. They'll get no, a day I, three yeah. guy yeah. just for depth, you know. Um Anyway, the Falcons, the the um, the Dolphins, uh, and the Pittsburgh Steelers are really the the places we want for fantasy for the top running backs to go. 
And I mean, look, it's high praise. Obviously you mentioned Austin Eckler. I think that's a nice uh, mention for Travis Etienne. If you climb the ladder a little bit more, I think the absolute ceiling would be a running back like Alvin Kamara, which obviously is cream of the crop, but similar type running backs, very smooth, very fast, great pass catching ability. And if he runs into an offense like Pittsburgh that likes, I mean, think of D'Angelo Williams back in the day, then Le'Veon Bell, then James Conner, right? And you've had Benny Snell and all these other random guys when those guys get hurt. Mike Tallman wants a three down back. If it's Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, they're going to use them the exact same, in my opinion. So I think that's a great landing spot regardless. All right, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne. Let's talk about the North Carolina Tar Heel duo here. Javante Williams at uh, 5'10", 220, and his teammate, Michael Carter, 5'8", 199. Javante Williams comes in... um, more of the kind of a thunder and lightning situation. So the bigger back kind of runs north and south. He's looking to run over people, some people, but he's he's definitely elusive. He's more elusive for his size, and I think he gets credit for both of these guys were tops in the nation in elusive ratings. Some people, big names in the fantasy industry, have Javante Williams pre-draft ahead of Travis Etienne because he's a, he's he's bigger. So he's a little bit more on that Najee Harris side, but he can also be elusive and catch the ball. So they're thinking he can pass protect more, which keeps him on the field for NFL teams, therefore leading to more third downs, more opportunity, depending, again, on landing spot. Michael Carter, his teammate, much smaller, 5'8", 200 pounds, but shifty and extremely, extremely elusive, similar to Travis Etienne as well. So Najee Harris is kind of that bona fide number one in most circles. After that, though, Travis Etienne, Michael Carter, Javante Williams, I think is a rotating door, depending on who you talk about, in the fantasy and the NFL scheme with these three running backs. So, Jonathan, let's pair these two guys, Javante Williams and Michael Carter from North Carolina. I mean, in terms of value, like in terms of just raw talent, Williams is far and away the better running back. Um, I think it's cool that they both came out of – out of Mac Brown and, and Sam Howell and, and the UNC offense, that's going to be outputting a lot of future NFL players starting really this year with these two guys. Uh, I love my man, Deami Brown, which we'll get to later on as well. But. There you go. Um, and next year, Sam Howell is going to be in the, you know, in the top two, top three. He, he's number one on some draft boards for 2022. Um, I love UNC. I really do. Um, going back to the running backs, Javante Williams, Michael Carter. So, I don't know. Williams, dude, the, the guy's 220. Like, he, he's 5'10". He's the same size as Travis Etienne in terms of height. And he's 10 pounds lighter. He's probably going to put on weight over the course of the offseason. These guys bulk up. He's probably going to be about the same weight, about 230, the same as Najee Harris. Like, this guy's a kind of like a fullback. It, it, and he kind of reminds me of C.J. Anderson. There we go. I almost said Henderson. I don't know why. C.J. Anderson <laughs> um, just sort of this guy, again, in between the tackles, C.J. Anderson had moments where he was a pass catcher too, but his wide frame, like he wasn't somebody who was going to be like around the – cut around the line. He was looking to go in between the tackles or to take some hits and, and get those yards after contact. That's more of Javante Williams' style, and that's that's really what he looks like when he's out there. Michael Carter, like you said, uh, 5'8", 200, far more pass catching heavy. Um, Darren Sproles-ish. Uh, Love it. Who's the um? Come on, West Virginia played on the Rams. 
Uh, Tavon Austin. Tavon Austin. Oh, I thought you were talking about Steve Slayton for a Sorry. second. I was like, yo. No, I'm not that old. <laughs> There's a nice throwback. <laughs> um, no, I, I was Tavon Austin was the other comp I was thinking of. Uh, I, Tavon Austin might have been even smaller. He might have been like 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, but that's why I see Michael Carter more resembling um, in my comps. And, you know, to be honest, there, there's not an abundance, but like there's consistently – guys like a Williams or like a Carter. So do they bring anything like that stands out that we, we probably haven't seen before, or we don't currently have in the league? No. Do they bring anything extra that Etienne and Harris have? Probably not, but if they end up in a good situation, they can be contributors. Um, And I think that that's the biggest thing to watch for with these guys is like you said, it matters for all of, all of these athletes where they're drafted. But specifically for Williams and Carter, like their usage rate will be solely dependent on what team and what situation that they're in. So, um, like I said, just safe talents to go with. They're going to get their opportunities. It just depends on how they're utilized in the offensive schemes. I do like both of them. Uh, different skill sets. Again, one of them is looking to run you over. The other one's looking to run around you. We'll see what happens at the next level. But I do think that both Javante Williams and Michael Carter bring something to the NFL level that that teams can uh, teams can work with. Right? I mean, there have been shorter running backs, but short running backs and even lighter weight at two hundred. I mean, look, five eight, two hundred is still thick. Two hundred pounds in general is not very big, but when you're five eight. And you're putting 200 pounds into a 5'8 frame, that's a thick body. And and those guys are able to hopefully stay durable. And look, quick feet in the hole, being able to escape and get out of places. You know, there's a lot of short running backs who have been extremely uh, effective and durable in the NFL because they're harder to tackle. They're harder to get a big hit on. And uh, Michael Carter is extremely elusive and, and, and shifty. And I think that's going to benefit him. And again, Javante Williams, CJ Anderson's a nice comp and he's not a, a, a sexy pick or a name that you think like, Oh, I want that guy. But you're right. I mean, with the Panthers, with the Rams, he took over for Todd Gurley and the Rams didn't miss a step all the way to the Super Bowl. Right. I mean, CJ Anderson had a very solid career Broncos as well uh, with Peyton Manning. I mean, he played very, very well uh, as kind of a, a, a thicker running back looking to run over and did have some pass catching chops, which both Williams and Carter have as well. All right, Jonathan, let's talk about the Jersey jungle first, and then we will di- start cherry picking some of these, uh, these other running backs here. So, we give a shout out on the podcast constantly to the Jersey Jungle. You can find them on Instagram at the Jersey Jungle, at the Jersey Jungle on Instagram. You can use the TCK promo code for ten percent off of one or two jerseys, fifteen percent off of three jerseys. These are authentic jerseys. These are stitch and twill jerseys, which means they are sewn on numbers, they're sewn on nameplates, sewn on logos. This is just like the players wear on the field or on the court. We are a fantasy football podcast, but they also have college football. They have uh, Major League Baseball. They have NBA basketball. They have HL. They have soccer jerseys. Uh, They also give you the ability for a custom jersey as well. The best part of Jersey Jungle is the authenticity of their actual jerseys. They're beautiful. Y'all know about my Justin Herbert jersey. I have another order in the mail on my way now. I will share those once I get them. But they are extremely clean jerseys. That you can wear, you can hang up like I have behind me as a display. The best thing about them, though, is 
they're already half the price that you find on NFL.com. NFL.com, you're going to find a jersey stitched in 12 for $120. Jersey Jungle, you're going to start at about $60, $65 if you tell them that TCK sent you. You also get 10 to 15% off of that. So you can buy three jerseys from the Jersey Jungle with our promo code TCK for the price of one jersey off of uh, NFL.com. So again, basically three for one. On Instagram, DM them, the Jersey Jungle. Let them know which ones you like, home or away, custom jerseys, throwback jerseys, special players, your fantasy players, your NFL players, your NBA, MLB, NHL, soccer, custom, whatever you want. Jersey Jungle has got you. Once again, on Instagram, at the Jersey Jungle to order. Use the promo code TCK to receive 10% off of one or two jerseys, 15% off of three jerseys, as you can see on the screen Shouts out to the Jersey Jungle. Now, Jonathan, I have to ask you, um, with all of these running backs and all of these, you know, last year's running back class coming in, what is a jersey like? Think of a think of one of your favorite college players. College running backs got drafted into the NFL either on your team or elsewhere, but you kind of still want the college jersey. Because the college jersey is when you really fell in love with the player. Who's an NFL player currently that you would love to have the college jersey of? I'm on the fence, but probably Reggie Bush. Nice. Okay, so Reggie Reggie Bush at USC, obviously a little controversy, so you got to be careful there. Oh, but I, I hear what you're saying. Controversy though, so I'm okay <laughs> with. I never wanted to shy away from a little. I love the argument and the art of controversial controversy. Um, so I'm willing to bite the bullet on that because no matter what logistics went into place to keep him at USC, none of that went into how he played on the field, like truthfully. And I remember when I the first games I could remember actually retaining college football were when Reggie Bush was the running back at USC, right? It was the Reggie Bush era and, and Mark Sanchez. And then right off, shout out to Lendale white too. Lendale white. I mean, Marcus <laughs> Allen was, it was a big USC Trojan. I mean, my dad was yeah. a Trojan. Um, and I grew up Robert Woods and Juju. Yeah. I mean, Roger, Robert Woods, Juju, uh, Carson Palmer. We, I mean, the list goes on and on Sam Darnold. Um, John David Booty, ironically, uh, who's the quarterback for USC when I was like the heyday when I was my Trojan fandom, um, he like didn't end up becoming anything. I think he got he got like a, a practice squad gig for like a year after going to USC. Like he went undrafted after three years at USC. And um, and that was when he was throwing footballs to Marquise Lee and like those guys. Um, guys that another guy who didn't pan out or isn't panning out. I don't know if he's still in the NFL. Um, but it was currently in the NFL, but um, he ended up interviewing at a real estate firm in LA for one of the, like a family friend of mine. And they're like, yeah, this USC quarterback came in and interviewed. And nice. I was like, oh yeah, who John, they're like John David booty. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like guy was like a stud at USC when I was growing up. Like I was a huge, I had John David booty Jersey. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, but he was well, well underqualified. So we didn't give him the job. And I was like, damn, I guess he's like all of us now. Um, and that's my story of John of USC and John David booty, but uh, yeah, Reggie Bush, USC Jersey. Um, and I'll fight to the death for it. It's okay. I love it, man. I, I, I loved, um, Dalvin cook at Florida state, um, 
coming out, man. He was absolutely and talk about game changing running backs. Oh. Reggie Bush was fucking unbelievable. Dalvin Cook too, though, at Florida State. I absolutely loved there. So and a couple, you know, shouts out to some of our ducks. You and I both Oregon Ducks, LaMichael oh, James. I mean, James. unfortunately, yeah. a lot of these guys didn't pan out in the NFL. LeGarrette Blunt had a great career, three Super Bowl rings. Jay you know, Jay Stu back in the day with the Carolina Panthers specifically had a great career. Uh, but LaMichael James, DeAnthony Thomas, Kenyon Barner, a handful Barner of these guys rings, had uh, man. Barner what's has that? a championship ring. Yep, there you go. Yeah, he does. True. He's, so he's representing the Ducks in, in Super Bowl. So that, I, that's I, right. I'm okay with his career. That's right. That's right. Shouts out. Shouts out to the Ducks always. Okay, man. So for the second half of this, let's kind of just cherry pick some of these names. We have a lot of running backs. We're not going to dive into every single running back, but I want to kind of give you a group of four. Pick a name, dive into them. I'll pick a name. We'll dive into them. If you're watching live here, you can jump into the comment section. Let us know a running back in this group of four at a time that you want us to dive into more if we haven't yet. And we will get to those also. If you're on YouTube, after the fact, feel free to uh, drop a comment in here. I monitor those comments. I'll come back after the fact. I can give you some research on a particular name. Check those out. And if you're on the podcast as well, you can reach out on social media and ask about those on my handle at Twitter, Sky Guasco, or on Instagram, fantasy football underscore TCK pod. Okay, Jonathan, let's take this group of running backs here. Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis, Ramondre Stevenson out of Oklahoma. Trey Sermon, Ohio State, and Kylan Hill, Mississippi State. Kenneth Gainwell, Ramondre Stevenson, Trey Sermon, Kylan Hill. Pick one of those guys and break it down for me. Oh, Trey Sermon. Ohio State's pred- predicated on uh, on powerful running backs. I think I truly think that the Big Ten collectively is is a very underrated conference for outputting running backs. They consistently output fantastic running backs. The defensive, the front sevens, I think are competitive with the SEC in the Big Ten, and that makes running backs even more valuable. So when you see a guy from Ohio State – I like that. I'll, I'll give you I'll give you that. I agree yeah, with that. I think that's – yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think for Trey Sermon, again, Justin Fields was the quarterback. You had uh, Chris Olave, shout-out San Diego, born and raised at wide receiver for them. Um, but truthfully, like, this guy had a pretty J.K. Domins-like season at Ohio State. J.K. Dobbins had a great season in Baltimore, a team that has a plethora of running backs and runs the ball with their three quarterbacks they have when RG three is uh, is healthy on their roster. So, like Ohio State, again, we can go we can go over the Ohio State credentials over the past few years if you want to. I don't think I think we all are aware of Ohio State's value in outputting running backs to the professional level. Um, and so, I think that Trey Sermon of that group. Look, Memphis also puts out guys, but if you look at the Memphis guys, they're typically bigger backs, which is exactly what you get from Gainwell, 5'11", 195, in between the tackles. Like, remember, Darrell Henderson. I was really I was really high on Henderson coming out of Memphis. Went to um, went to the Rams, fell behind the depth chart to C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley. And then he was backing up Cam Akers, right, and splitting snaps as the backup. So I think that we're going to see a lot of Henderson, or we saw a lot of Henderson and Gainwell in college, same usage rate. Same scheme offensively, same team. I think we could see the same as of his value in uh, in the NFL, so I'm not too excited about that. Um, and then, you know, Steven, Oklahoma's, they're, they're a pro star or a, an air raid offense. Um, and Stevenson, he's good. He, again, also a big back, 246 pounds. This guy's a fullback uh, out of the running back position. So I think, like, look, remember Cyrus Habib Alikio, the guy that the Ducks would run mm-hmm. in on um, 
first, second, third and goal, fourth and goal within five yards, and he would score every single time. That's, I think, what you're going to end up getting um, from Kamandre Stevenson, right? He's going to be a guy who's big and and he can propel. He can use centrifugal force. And he can use gravity and his balance to be able just to push a lineman forward and get into the end zone or on short yarded situations. Like if that's valuable to you, if a touchdown vulture is valuable to you, who's stashed in a running back lineup or like stashed on the depth chart, then yeah, Stevenson might hold some value for you. I think the same goes with Kalen Hill, right? 5'11", 210. Also a guy who's a little bit bigger, who probably is going to be utilized to go pick up short yarded situations and to go score touchdowns. But Trey Sermon to me is the most dynamic out of this group. Um, and again, coming from Ohio State with a track record of great running back output to the NFL, I feel a little bit more comfortable betting on him um, as a potential sleeper in this draft compared to these other guys. I like the Trey Sermon call. I'm going to give a shout out to Kenneth Gainwell as well. And he's listed on our came in over 200 pounds on his pro day, about 205. He's been fluctuating in between that, which is great. Gaining a little bit more weight at the running back position generally helps as long as they don't lose speed. Um, he opted out. So Kenneth Gainwell, best pass catcher in this draft class by far. He opted out in 2020. So the general fan is not really going to know who he is. If you're in work leagues or family leagues heading into dynasty rookie drafts, people literally didn't see him play in 2020 because he opted out due to COVID and stuff. So he's not on people's radar if you're not diving into things like we do. So keep an eye on Kenneth Gainwell, James White type, if you will, uh, Gio Bernard, Duke Johnson, one of these guys. Also keep in mind last year or two years ago, I should say he limited Antonio Gibson another one of these dynamic Memphis running backs. Kenneth Gainwell kept Antonio Gibson off the field as he was kind of a hybrid wide receiver running back in 2019. So Kenneth Gainwell is legit, and he's not getting a lot of rep because he didn't play last year, but he is one of my kind of dark horses to be this time next year when we're talking about the rookie draft class, like we talk about Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers right now. I have a, depending on, it's always depending on landing spot, depending on landing spot and usage. I really think Kenneth Gainwell has a chance to be uh, somebody in the top three to five rookie running backs next year after all said and done after a season. So Trey Sermon, Kenneth Gainwell in that grouping. Let's give another four here. Uh, Kalen Herbert, or excuse me, Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech. Um, Jarrett Patterson out of Buffalo. Chuba Hubbard out of Oklahoma State and Elijah Mitchell out of Louisiana. Once again, Khalil Herbert, Jarrett Patterson, Chuba Herbert, and Elijah Mitchell. Can I ask, so we're for context to the viewers and listeners here on the TCK pod, we're both looking at a shared document with, with some prep uh, over on this conversation. And the one person that I really want to talk about Talk about him. Highlighted in this conversation. I just before I get into my my side of defending Dimitri Felton, I want to know why you he doesn't have the courtesy of being in the same little peach glow that all these other running backs are part of. Okay, so very very quickly, and it's not a super knock on him. I'm just again, you're the Pac-12 guy. Like you, you watch more Pac-12 than you know, anybody else listening to this podcast, including myself, and I'm a Pac-12 guy myself, but you are involved in it. So I want to hear more about Dimitri Felton out of UCLA. 5'9", 186, not impressed on paper with the size. I know that's not everything. I totally understand that. I'm the first guy to stand up for the smaller dudes uh, and give them a chance. 
I wasn't necessarily blown away. We also saw Joshua Kelly come out with a lot of praise last year. Fell flat, unfortunately. Pac-12 running backs, some of them are great. A lot of them are average. And UCLA just straight up didn't impress me that much last year overall as a squad um, when I watch games. And just the reality is we have 30 running backs, and I didn't want to have time to talk about everybody. However, if you want to speak about a specific guy, let's talk about him. Uh, Demetric Felton, UCLA, go ahead. Yeah, I I love Demetric Felton. Look, Joshua Kelly's different running back. Um, and I and I was incorrectly high on him. Fine. Um, I I think that I uh I gained my credibility back by being the first person right about Justin Herbert. I when I have we have those receipts. Um but Demetric Big Felton, big Brandon Ayuk and Michael Pittman guy last year as well. So I'll give you those also. I think I was also Zach, Zach Moss until he got injured was also very much in the rotation with Singletary and Buffalo, and I was high on Zach Moss too. Oh no, I had way more wins than losses during last year's draft. <laughs> I promise you that. I was just looking back at the list too. I'm like, wow, I was right about most of these guys. It was fantastic. Yeah. Like Schefter, better watch out. Um, okay, so felt you say that you're unimpressed with UCLA. I was really impressed with UCLA. Like this was not a team, especially when D. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, their quarterback went down like that we thought was going to be competitive. They beat Arizona state. They almost beat Oregon at Oregon with their backup quarterback, Griffin. I want to say Griffin West. I know his first name's Griffin, but I forgot his last name. Regardless, backup quarterback, freshman, and almost big win against Arizona state beat Arizona, almost beat USC lost on the last play of the game. Cause USC had six of their eight wins on the last play of the game or seven wins on the last play of the game. Um, Almost beat Oregon. Like UCLA was really impressive to me. They had one of the best tight ends in the nation. Um, and Demetrius Felton was the biggest part of that, right? Like in a shortened season, didn't get that many attempts, still had a close to 700 yards. He was up above five yards to carry, but he's dynamic because he can also catch the ball. Um, and, and he's just like, when you talk about a cunning running back, like this guy, this guy's as elusive as they come. So I know that you aren't impressed with the size. Um, and I know that UCLA has a bad taste in the back of your mouth. But I think that Demetric Felton, compared to the guys above him on the board, truthfully, like I don't think Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech, he's 5'9", right? But he, okay, he's 2'12". I think Felton will put on weight. Maybe Herbert will too, but we don't know. Like his value is very similar to Felton right now because they play similarly. Jared Patterson, this guy is a friggin' beast. Like honestly, Patterson, that's, Hubbard. That's my guy. From this group, Jared Patterson's my guy. Well, but to be honest with you, like outside of the top three, Harris, Etienne, and Williams, like maybe Carter, like Jamar Jefferson, who's all the way at the bottom of the board, Chuba Hubbard, and Jarrett Patterson all could be like the next guys up. Like they all could be a rotation of four, five, six, and set. Like that's how good these guys have been in college. But because of their various situations, they don't find themselves that high up on these draft boards, right? Like Chuba Hubbard was literally a Heisman contender in the first four weeks of the conversation. He was the Kyle Trask of running backs. Like everybody was yeah, talking about was. him. And then all of a sudden, like we're not talking about it. Oklahoma state was good too. They had Shane Ellingworth, the third string quarterback coming in and, and taking down teams. Um, but, and Jared Patterson played at Buffalo, right? He had an eight touchdown game against Kent state. Um, and, and he had 53 touchdowns over his three years. Like this guy was a monster, but he played for Buffalo, right? He's not going to get the benefit of the doubt, but there are so many running backs in the NFL that in the right system come from these certain situations and are that good, right? Alvin Kamara is a great example of that. Um, and Demetric Felton, 
if you go back and you listen to people who have watched during the games, Dimitri Felton play, right? And a great example is Greg McElroy doing color for Pac-12 games for ESPN this year. Consistently compared Dimitri Felton to Alvin Kamara. Consistently. Um, and, and that's why like, I like that comparison. And to hear professionals like who go out and call NFL games and do their own coverage, like this is a guy in Louisiana comparing a guy from Temecula, California, which is, you know, 60 miles north of me, like to, he's comparing him to, to Alvin Kamara. So I don't know. That's my, that's my thing on my spiel on this like group of running backs is honestly, I like it. There are better names out there than what meets the eye with this, with the rankings of these. I, I like it. And I, I appreciate you, you calling out a name here that I, I just, I just straight up disagree. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't I don't have a ten minute I don't have a ten minute rebuttal to shut everything down because it's not like that. And and here's the deal, Jonathan, you you know this personally, but you know you are somebody in the industry, and I use the industry super lightly because you're not just a fantasy guy, you're not just a color you know commentator, you're not just a rate. I mean, you do it all really, and I appreciate your outlook on a lot of things, especially Pac-12 specific stuff, because you literally work within the Pac-12 scheme of things. So I this just tells me I need to take a deeper dive on Demetric Felton. That's it. I'm going to leave it there. Fair I'm going to give you this one. I'll do some more homework. We'll come at it. You already mentioned Jared Patterson for me. I just want to give a shout out to him again out of a smaller school, Buffalo. You mentioned it, 53 touchdowns in three years. Obviously very run-heavy offense, but absolute you know animal. And again, 5'9", 200 pounds. He'll find some positioning. The NFL is primarily a two or three team, you know, running back by committee, as you know now. So I think he's not going to be the number one, but I think he could be a great number two and a change of pace running back there. So I agree. Also, Chuba Hubbard, you had mentioned a little bit, and Elijah Mitchell. Um, I'm not going to talk about him that much here. Uh, he's he's Dweez's guy, uh, our other co-host, of course, on the TCK pod. Uh, Dweez Nuts, you can find him on Twitter. He is a huge Elijah Mitchell fan um, out of uh, Louisiana. He's mentioned him multiple times on other episodes here as kind of his dark horse guy. So I'm going to let Dwayne um, take Elijah Mitchell. But again, we're getting in that middle crop, back of the crop here. So some deeper names. We do have one more or two more grips of guys to get into. But before we get out of here, I do want to give another shout out to a brand new sponsor of the podcast. I want to give a shout out here. Two, Bomb Banana. Bomb Banana is a new uh, podcast sponsor here. Uh, Shouts out to our good friends from the University of Michigan. Um, Fun fact, I've mentioned it multiple times on the podcast, but I actually wanted to go to the University of Michigan as a kid. Um, It didn't work out that way. I ended up moving to Oregon and going to U of O instead. But when I was a kid, my dream was to play Michigan Wolverine football. I have receipts of that, of some podcast I did when I was like nine years old, I promise. Um, but that is that is the truth. Uh, these guys, um, group of buddies out of the University of Michigan here, started a hot sauce company here that is banana-based, not banana-flavored, banana-based hot sauce called Bomb Banana. Their sauce is an absolute must-have for any draft day or watch party. We have the NFL draft coming up. We have fantasy drafts coming up. You could put it on pizza, nachos, wings, any of the dips. It'll definitely spice up and give extra flavor to those dishes. They have sweet heat and the chili-based combo that provides truly delicious restaurant 
quality flavor. They also have the Mui Mui style, which is the red bottle here that'll pop up on the screen. That is a little bit hotter if you're into the spicy realm of things. We are very excited to officially be a part of Bomba Nation. Please join us at seekthespice.com. Use the promo code TCKPOD for 10% off of your order. Once again, seekthespice.com to order bomb banana hot sauce. Again, chili banana-based hot sauce. It's absolutely delicious. It's not banana-flavored. It's banana-based. They have a hot version. They have a mild version. Go check them out. Seekthespice.com. TCK for the promo code seekthespice.com shouts out to bomba nation and our bomb banana family here again we'll give a shout out right on the screen there boom that's the mui mui the red label if you like the regular one they have the white as well jonathan you mentioned you're a spicy spicy type fan what is a draft day food preference for you oh draft day food i mean i've i've sort of been all over the the proverbial spectrum with this i've done the wing like i've gone to buffalo wild wings before for the draft full Um, experience love that of course like that's like it's packed well this is pre-covid days but packed house. it's kind of crazy to think like this but packed house pitchers of beer um sometimes non-alcoholic if you prefer maybe um and uh and i think that that's like sort of the like the stereotypical draft day scene. Like that's where you go for the first slate of NFL games. That's where you go for the NFL draft. Um, I've done live shows for the NFL draft. I did it last year um, for in SoCal. I did like a, I hosted a, like a, like at a venue. That was pretty cool. Um, I've done, I've never been to the draft. That's like the one thing like I've done, but you're talking about food specifically. Um, I think the wings are like spicy wings. They have this really good Korean, uh, Korean wings here in, in nice. San Diego. Um, they, they sort of let the, the chicken tender, it's dry rub and they let it sit for like 24 hours and let like the, the seasoning really soak in and they refry it. Um, Oof. and it's insane. And I think that I might end up doing that for this year's draft. Get me, um, I'm not, I don't like alcohol. So probably just like an iced tea. And we're just going to sit and I'm just going to smile at how right I was about all these different players. <laughs> so you like the, the, so I'm hearing Korean dry rub wings. Spicy, You're going to go with the spicy. The, spicy, spicy. So, and, and you got the, you got the, the Mui Mui, the red label here for Absolutely. the bomb banana hot sauce. Absolutely. Absolutely delicious, man. I'm with you. Look, you can't go wrong with wings, man. I'm with you. Um, I've, I've, I've eaten a plant-based diet for a very long time cauliflower wings if done properly in my opinion absolutely fantastic as well i'll do some buffalo cauliflower wings throw on some of the bomb banana hot sauce also check them out y'all good friends of the podcast new sponsor of the show 10 percent off of your uh, order here seekthespice.com promo code tck pod shouts out bomb banana all right jonathan we got uh maybe one more grip of guys here uh, that I wanted to get through some deeper names. Again, we're talking, these are like dynasty names. These are day three picks, maybe, you know, fifth, six rounders, if you will. But some of these guys are going to get opportunity. Again, we see late round running backs get opportunity due to injury, due to teams leaving, due to being behind a veteran. So maybe not this year, but next year, they get the opportunity. As you mentioned at the top of the show, mo- I mean, almost every single 
team in the NFL at this point is at least a dual running back committee, at least two. Some of them are three. Some of them are four, like New England, San Francisco. I mean, whoever's out there, they're going to throw fresh bodies. These guys are going to get work eventually. Let's talk about Larry Roundtree, the third out of Missouri. Puka Williams, your boy. Puka Williams Jr. out of Kansas. Jamar Jefferson up the street from me over here in Oregon State for the Beavs. And I'm going to throw in a deeper name as well, Josh Johnson, um, University of Louisiana, Monroe. So again, some deeper names. Listeners may not be familiar with these guys. Larry Roundtree, Puka Williams, Jamar Jefferson, and Josh Johnson. Uh, Jamar Jefferson is my favorite of, I mean, like, or like, first of all, Pac-12 buy is fine. However, he also went to Redondo Union High School in Southern in Los Angeles, so I have to I have to show my Southern Southern Cal bias. Fine, perfect. <laughs> what's worse? What's more apparent? My SoCal bias or my uh, Pac-12 bias? Certainly not my Oregon State bias because I went to the the rival school, but. Yep. Um, Puka Williams is is my favorite name in the draft. I always go with a guy with a good name. Like anytime that they're and you know what? You know what I've learned? That running backs, the running backs are always the guys with the best names. And the guys with the best names typically run the best. There's a guy here in San Diego named Perfect Land, and he's one of the best runners in the section. Like Perfect Love Land. That. How what a call to make Perfect Land with the handoff. Like f- fantastic. Um, but Puka Williams, like this guy's a little bit more dynamic, more of a pass catcher. Jamar Jefferson's in between the tackles. Pac-12, all Pac-12 rusher, like, broke multiple running records. The problem is, and and this sort of goes back to the Pac-12 perspective here, is why is Jamar Jefferson at the end? Like, this guy isn't even drafted on some three-round draft boards, right? Experts who watch this stuff and pay attention. And I think Royce Williams is one of the uh, Royce Freeman, excuse me. Royce Williams is not a person. Royce Freeman is one <laughs> of the better examples um, of why somebody like Jamar Jefferson is so low down, right? Royce Freeman was an all Pac-12 runner at Oregon, broke dominant. All the, dominant, broke all of the rushing records. Let, he led the nation in rushing touchdowns, and he was a third round pick. And now he's the third string quarterback for the Denver Broncos at this point. Like this guy just like that's I think that. He's the perfect example of why big-time names in the Pac-12 may not necessarily be indicative of dominance at the NFL level. And a reason that some people might not be interested in Demetric Felton out of UCLA. Okay, but on the other side of that, there are guys like Zach Moss, who is very much like Demetric Felton. Out of Utah, sure. Right? And Zach Moss did not have the same career as aesthetically as Jamar Jefferson, right? Like, we're going to see people like that. I mean, Ronald Jones is another really good example. He, he's always had a role, right, in the, NFL, in the NFL out of USC. Like, he's done a great job maintaining relevancy. He's he's part of that rotation in Tampa Bay. Like, that's an example of a Pac-12 guy who has always found a way to stay relevant. Like, Bryce Love just got cut by the Washington football team, right? Bryce Love was, at that time, the best runner in Pac-12 history, right? That, yeah, he's – he's. I was actually thinking about him just now, but he's a he's a big injury you're situation right. yeah, that that's obviously different he just got his deal. leg torn up yeah i mean and you have the, you know miles got like we just talked about uh earlier in the pod right miles gaskin solving ahmed over um in miami like there are guys out there that have proven like miles gaskin was a fifth round draft pick right i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure that he was like one of the much later rounds um and here he is on the 
top of the depth chart for for the Miami Dolphins. So my point is, is when it comes to Pac-12 running backs specifically, and even Big 12 running backs, like Chuba Hubbard was the best running back in the Big 12, and he's not even the top Big 12 running back on some of these boards and rankings. Um, truthfully, it's just how the position is. Um, and some of these guys at the bottom of the board are probably going to pan out, and some of these guys at the top of the board are going to pan out, and some won't. And that's just pick your poison and pick the system that they're in. That's just how running backs go. And that's why, like we opened the show with Sky, you know, it's an undervalued position because to actually be in a, a great running back is inc- probably harder than any of the other positions on, on offense, at least. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is like the, the value of the position from a macro perspective is just diminishing. And that's why outside of just a few names, like you get down, once you get down after like the big three, big four, just from all the way to the bottom, all of these guys are just plug and play and see what happens. Miles Gaskin was drafted pick 234 in the seventh there, so round. So seventh round, there you go. That that helps my point even more. Yeah, unbelievable. And obviously there's been some great Pac-12 running backs as of late, um, but I am, I am with you that uh, unfortunately because of the conference and the lack of defenses, quote-unquote, uh, pass happiness of the Pac-12 for the most part, um, they get pushed down a little bit. I agree with you there. Um, because we get more linebackers drafted than almost any conference besides the SEC. I just I yeah, like- and, and and big defensive linemen. I mean, we have a you know the, the large Polynesian influence in the Pac-12 as well. I mean, that gets a lot of defensive linemen, linebackers. I mean, safeties. Troy Polamalu. I mean, Taylor Mays didn't work out, but that dude was an animal. Right. I mean, Jason Seahorn way back in the day uh, for the Giants coming out of USC, um, you know, Patrick Chung, of course. I, I mean, Patrick Chung. Yeah. Yeah. Just absolutely dominant uh, secondary as well. This year from all from I mean, Utah has one of the best free safeties in the nation right now, um, who's just going to be a sophomore. Oregon obviously has three defensive backs in the draft this year in D'Almondola, Lenore, Thomas Graham, Brady Breeze. Like you're going to see a lot of USC every year outputs guys like this is. People say it's the defense, but it's really not. Like this is a talented conference. Um, yeah, it just sucks that the guys who go to the NFL don't pan out most of the time. I agree. And again, landing spot is a big part of that, but uh, talent and health is another part of it as well. Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner for the Ducks recently coming out, um, both for the 49ers. Now, of course, the Colts with DeForest, Bu- uh, DeForest Buckner, uh, Troy Polamalu. The list goes on. Well, you know, I want to mention. I know. Sorry, sorry. The no, last good. person I want to, I think that like in this conversation, like you look at defensive linemen, like Leonard Williams and DeForest Buckner are amongst the best defensive linemen in the NFL. Leonard yep. Williams went to USC and Defoe went to Oregon, right? Like the these guys are like this conference does do that pretty pretty um, succinctly over the course of a few years. So, anyways, that's the last thing I want to add. Shout out Leonard Williams, former San Francisco 49er, I believe. No, uh, Defoe, Defoe is the 49er. Yep. D- yeah. Defoe and Eric Armstead. Okay. Um, and Taylor Mays actually was drafted by the 49ers too, but he didn't, uh, he didn't pay out, unfortunately. Okay. I just want to give a shout out to Larry Roundtree. Um, four years of 700 plus yards in the SEC, 700 years, 700 yards on one season isn't groundbreaking. It's not amazing, but Missouri is not one of the top teams overall in the SEC at all. And for him to put up 700 plus yards in each of his four seasons against, again, NFL defenses in the SEC, I thought was very 
uh, impressive. So again, I don't think he's going to be a starter. I don't think he's going to be a, a dominant fantasy option per se, but somebody to keep an eye on because he is productive, like a Frank Gore potentially, um, who just is a plotter and gets it done. Jordan Howard, who is not sexy, but gets it done. And what you want is fantasy points. Not everybody can be one of those top backs. Keep an eye on him. Again, shout out Puka Williams, Jamar Jefferson, as we mentioned. Josh Johnson, a deeper name um, that honestly I didn't even know of until I, until I started really researching running backs, but kind of popped up the screen. Juco transfers, so transferred out of junior college. Uh, Louisiana Monroe, um, 5'9", 208, kind of a shorter, stocky running back. Um, doesn't have long speed, but he has quickness kind of laterally. I like that a lot. Good pass catcher, willing to pass protect, which is important to stay on the field. Reminds me of a healthy Jay Ajayi, who has two 200-yard games in his career before knee injuries, and a Duke Johnson. Again, not a game-breaking talent, but a guy who could catch four, five, six passes a game, get three, four, five carries, and potentially turn one uh, big. Gio Bernard, again, Duke Johnson, uh, Tariq Cohen, one of those um, smaller pass-catching types. Keep an eye on him in deeper PPR leagues. Okay, Jonathan, we got through the running backs as well. Of course, we mentioned the big four, five guys, and then kind of cherry picked. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe, of course, give us a, a thumbs up, but also uh, let us know these running backs outside the top four uh, you like the most and why, and maybe one of the top four running backs we mentioned that maybe you're not as high on and give us a reason. Why? If you're in the podcast, please leave us a rate and review anywhere you're listening to your podcast. And also please follow my brother, Jonathan Rifkin on Twitter at Jonathan Rifkin, his name, last name, R-I-F-K-I-N-D. He also has live streams of his game broadcasts uh, at the high school level. Um, make sure you check those out as well. Very uh, entertaining, professional, well done. I tune in as often as I can. It's always a, a great job, man. You do an excellent job. You know that. And catch us on our other network. Uh, Jonathan and I co-host and run um, back-end production for the one and only Ryan Leaf, uh, former Heisman finalist and number two NFL pick. Make sure you check us out on the Ryan D. Leaf Show, RDL Show, Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 1230 to 1.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Jump into the comments live on YouTube and Ryan and us can get with you. We talk all sports. So if you're into more than just football, go ahead and check us out at the RDL show as well. It's always a pleasure, man. Jonathan, thanks so much for jumping off of the running backs. We've done quarterbacks. We've done running backs. We are going to also get into wide receivers and tight ends. Stay tuned right here on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. Find me on Twitter at Sky Guasco, Instagram, Fantasy Football underscore TCK Pod, on TikTok and Facebook as well. Episode 381 in the books. Wide receivers coming up next. For my man, Jonathan Rifkin, I am your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.